Shabbat Shalom, greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And if you're in Texas, you got hosed by snowflakes of aluminium, didn't you? Talk about weather being manufactured by the globalists for this next season. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this. We're going to do, actually, you're not going to believe it. I really think that I'm going to be able to cover two chapters today. Acts chapter 10 and 11. Yes, I said it right. Two chapters in one segment if I don't get distracted and you don't distract me and you guys in here don't distract me. But you usually don't. I usually end up doing it to myself. It's good to be back, brethren. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Greet one another in the chat. Make connections. Visit TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect six days a week you can connect on the zoom platform and i want to thank so many of you that have supported the ministry with your donations your tithes and your offerings it means the world thank you so much remember give us some thumbs up subscribe to the ministry here on this channel because what i really am finding and i think you are too out there in the world this is a time when people are so discouraged and despondent that we have great ministry opportunities. Acts chapter 10 is an amazing ministry opportunity for you and I when we have been awakened because this particular chapter has got just the perfect, I would say, the perfect Kool-Aid sheep verse in it that many of us drank from for so many years. I can't believe I drank from this sheep verse for almost a decade. And it's just an exciting passage to help wake people up in a time when they're all round the font of Kool-Aid. Let's not lift out the sheep verse. Let's help the sheep awaken to the reality and the power of Yahuwah's word today. Acts chapter 10, we're going to approach this the way that I love to approach scripture. And that is the Bible interprets the Bible. What is written before will come through the prophets into the full revelation of the Brit Hadashah and the New Testament. So we can see the full glory of our risen Savior manifest in our life through the cutting of covenant. Acts chapter 10 is an amazing example. What I want to do, I pray Yahuwah willing will give me the, the wisdom to be able to disseminate the information that's in the Bible. Acts chapter 10 is not an isolated incident. This really is what Hosea the prophet wrote about, his whole story. And what appears in Acts chapter 10 is the fulfillment of the prophet Hosea. But we're going to have to go all the way back to the Torah just to give you some context. Context and then a little bit more context. So stick a finger in Acts chapter 10, then stick a thumb in Acts chapter 11, and then go all the way back to Genesis, Bereshit chapter 41. And while you do that, I'm going to have a sip.
of my aluminum-free soda. Can you believe people trying to burn that snow down in Texas and it just does not... Well, they're trying to melt it and they, they end up burning it. Have you seen those videos? Crazy. Crazy. Amazing stuff. Yeah, always, always got to put a little bit of conspiracy in before we get going, just to set the flavor. Acts chapter 10, verse 1, it is written. Now, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. He was a centurion of the band called the Italian Band, a devout man. That's a funny translation. I wonder what translation I put in there, the Italian Band. It sounds like something from the New Age, doesn't it? Anyway, all right focus here. There was a certain man, calm down Matthew, I was away for a week you see and, and now I get all excitable to be back. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He was a devout man and one that feared Yahuwah with all of his house which gave much alms to the people and he prayed to Yahuwah always. He saw a vision. Uh-oh, uh-oh, he's so, you see, this is where we've got to stop. And I know we just got started, but this is where we've got to stop. Otherwise, if we're not careful and we continue plowing through this first, we're going to end up in the Wuhan seafood market, having shrimp and, and, and I don't want to take us back to Wuhan. All right, we've had enough problems there. So... No stomach viruses here because we're not going to end up in the Wuhan seafood market with this verse. This has got nothing to do, this vision, with what's going on in your stomach. Context, context, context. Let's go to Genesis chapter 41 verse 7. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, In my dream, in my vision... Behold, I stood upon the bank of the river, and behold, there came out of the river seven kind, fat-fleshed, and well-favored. And they fed there in yonder meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up. They were very poor and very ill-favored, and they were some lean flesh, skinny little fellas, such as I never saw in all the land of Egypt they were bad, and I'm talking real bad. And the lean and the ill-favored kind did eat up the first seven fat kind. And when they had eaten them up, it could not be known that they had eaten them. But they were still some skinny little ill-favored, just as they were at the beginning. And so I awoke. See, the reason I took us back to Genesis, Bereshit chapter 41, verse 7, is to set the stage. Because I want to explain the difference between sound Bible hermeneutics and what I call flip-flop theology. I'm not talking like flip-flops like on your feet. I'm talking where you flip it all upside down and you end up in the Wuhan seafood market eating shrimp, snakes, and scorpions. When in reality, we're supposed to be in the book of Hosea looking at prophecy and people. How on, end, how on earth did we end up in the seafood market? 
It's called flip-flop theology. Flip-flop theology is where visions and dreams are made literal and literal commands become allegory and lessons. They're spiritualized away to nothing and they're disobeyed. Commandments somehow with flip-flop theology are rationalized away into principles and precepts. Now, I've got to tell you, when I was back in Calvary Chapel, I used to love to listen to Kay Arthur and her precepts. But then my pastor started talking about the ten precepts in Exodus chapter 20. And my wife looked over at me and she's like, how did they change from commandments into precepts? It says here there's still commandments. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. I'm not having any of this nonsense. I'm going to go talk to him about it afterwards. Well, I don't know if you really need to go that far. No, no, I do. It doesn't say precepts, honey. You're right. And that began Matthew causing trouble in amidst the assembly. And I didn't last for too much longer after that. Whereas Bible hermeneutics is very different. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. That's Bible hermeneutics. Whereas flip-flop theology with this particular verse in Genesis 41, well, hang on a minute. We need to rush out and rescue the good kind and the fat-fleshed and the well-favored. Because we want them for our dinner. Because otherwise, if we don't rescue them, the poor kind and very ill-favored and lean flesh, they're going to come up and eat them all. We need to go rescue the cows. That's what happens with flip-flop theology. Visions and dreams, and they totally flip it upside down. Yet commandments are spiritualized away and become allegory, precepts, and principles no longer to be obeyed. Bible hermeneutics is all about context, context, context. And the context of Hosea is that Hosea is a prophet, and he is commanded by Yahweh to take a wife of whoredom. And he's commanded by Yahweh to take children of whoredom. First, he has a son, and his son is to be called Jezreel. Now, Jezreel is where we have the valley of Jezreel, where Israel lost all of her battles. Bad things happened to Israel in Jezreel. Then, Hosea has a daughter, and her name is lo Ruchamah, lo Ruchamah, which in the Hebrew means uh, no mercy. And then Hosea has another daughter, excuse me, another son called lo Ami, not my people. One son, Jezreel, the battle and the valley of Jezreel to be Armageddon, where Israel loses all of her battles. Then he has a daughter, 
lo ruchama, no mercy, and then he has another son called lo ami, not my people. We are dealing with prophecy here with the children of Hosea. Israel, you're going to lose the battle. Israel, you're going to go into exile, and I will have no mercy upon you. And Israel, when you're scattered in the nations, you will no longer be my people, and I will not be your Elohim. In fact, you will become so assimilated in the nations that you'll think that you're Catholics. You'll think that you're Protestants. You'll think that you're evangelicals. You'll be so divorced from the Israel of the Bible that you'll forget that you are actually the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that your history is encoded in your DNA, and eventually I will bring you back to the land. This is a powerful, powerful prophecy. That's what Acts chapter 10 and 11 is about. So with that for the let us go to Hosea chapter 1. Let's go to the 10th verse in Hosea chapter 1. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And it shall come to pass in that place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there shall it be said unto them, ye are the sons of the living Elohim. In what place? In what place? In that place, in that very place, this is where it will occur. What will occur? What on earth are you talking about? The ten northern tribes of Israel were taken captive first in the Galilee. In that place. So where would it be said to them, ye are the sons of the living Elohim? Well, according to the prophecy of Hosea, chapter 1, verse 10, because they were taken captive first from the Galilee, that therefore in the Galilee, that is where they would be told, ye are sons of the living Elohim. 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 29. I'm not making this stuff up, in case you're wondering where I'm getting this from. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, came Tiglath-Pizer, king of Assyria. And he took Ejon, and Abel-Beth-Macha, and Yonah, and Kadesh, and Hazor, and Gilead, and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali. Where was Naphtali? The tribe of Naphtali was in the Galilee, and he carried them away to Syria. Where was it that they were going to be carried away to? Assyria, where from the Galilee, according to Hosea chapter 1 verse 10, in the place where it was said to you, now established as the Galilee, that you are not my people, lo ruchamah, lo ami, I will have no mercy upon you, you will not be my people. You're going to be scattered into the nations. In that place, the Galilee, it will be said to you, ye are the sons of the living Elohim. Now turn with me to John. 
Yochanan chapter 21 verse 6. Because Peter was a fisherman down in the Galilee. And Yahushua said to Peter, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Find some what? You will find what the lost sheep of Israel, the lo ruchamah, the lo ami. Look at Yochanan chapter 21, John chapter 21, verse 11. And Shimon Kepher, Simon Peter, went up and he drew the net to land full of a teeming multitude of fishes, a hundred and fifty-three. And for all there were so many, yet was not one lost. Not one of you is going to be lost. Not one of you scattered out there in Texas with all that fake weather and aluminum and toxicity coming down is going to be lost. Yahweh is going to gather us from all over the nations. Not one shall be lost. 153 in Hebrew, gematria, numerical value for a certain expression in Scripture that appears only once. Only once. The numerical value of the letters is an expression in 153 is fishing for, you ready? The sons of the living Yah. That's what 153 is a Hebrew geometrical numerical value for that expression. That's amazing. And it goes all the way back to Hosea chapter 1 verse 10. This is the sign that you will become fishers of men. Where they were taken captive in the Galilee is where you will begin, Hosea chapter 1 verse 10, fishing for the lost sheep of the house of Israel that are the lo ruchamah, lo ami. And you will bring them back in. And you will bring them back in according to the prophecies, not according to the Wuhan seafood market, but according to the prophecies. And if you go the route of the Wuhan seafood market and you start telling people that Acts chapter 10 is about piggies and shrimp, you're never going to succeed in fulfilling the gospel because you're selling another gospel. And you're selling it because people don't want to hear what we have to say when it's the truth of the Torah. Because it means you've got to give up some stuff. It means you've got to clean your body temple, purify your mind, purify your thoughts, and come out of her, my people, you sick and twisted individuals. Hosea chapter 1, verse 8. Who's the first catch of the prophecy? Who's the first fish that jumps into the net? Cornelius is the first of the 153. Cornelius is the first catch. You will be fishing for the lost sheep of the house of Israel and their companions scattered abroad. Hosea chapter 1 verse 8. Now when she had weaned lo ruchamah, she conceived and bare a son. And then said Yahweh, call his name lo ami, for ye are not my people, 
and I will not be your Elohim. So this is a prophecy of the two houses of Israel. The ten northern tribes were scattered abroad, lost in the nations, just like Cornelius. Then, when? Then the new covenant will be cut and it will bring about the return of the whole house of Israel. So for that to happen, we better lay it out pretty clear, don't you think? So our brethren will be able to jump into the net. Because there's another one going around with another net. And that net is going to lead to destruction. Because the prophecy in Jeremiah says, I will send you and you shall be fishers of men. But if you do not listen to the fishers of men, then I will send the hunters. COVID is the time of the hunters. Because you didn't listen to the message of the fishermen. The fisherman message is a lot easier. It's not an easy, broad road. I'm not saying that. But it's merciful. It's merciful. I'm clicking in and out a little bit. I'm getting all excited. It's in the hips like Elvis. Sorry, upsetting the ladies in the front row here. Oh, so much to talk about. If we don't get the message of the gospel right, what happens? We'll be slopping with the pigs, literally, Acts chapter 10, with a misinterpretation, and you'll be a prodigal son lost in the nations. But it's only when the prodigal son realizes that he's slopping with the pigs that he starts to make his way back to his father. And when I started to look at myself and my life and what I was doing, what I was eating, what I was, how I was living, and uncleanliness in my life, spiritually and literally, that is when I realized, no, I need to get right in every area with Yahweh, not just spiritually, but I need to actually change the way I live my life, and I naturally need to start walking out his commandments because that's going to be helpful to me to live during the week when we're not together. I don't want to be slopping with the pigs. Now, turn with me to Kepha Olive, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. But ye are a chosen generation, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in past you were low ami, not my people, Hosea chapter 1 verse 10, but are now the people of Yah, you were the low rumah who had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Do you see the language of Hosea chapter 1 verse 10? It is right here, lost in translation oftentimes, but low ruchamah and low ami is right here in the Hebrew of First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 and 10. The low ami, not my people, and the low Ruchamah, 
you had not obtained mercy. And you miss it in the translation. But the translation in the Hebrew takes you all the way back to first Hosea chapter 1, verse 10. Everybody tracking so far? How about you in the middle there? Are you tracking? Okay, because if you're not tracking, we'll track you. Okay, we'll do some contact tracing, some geofencing. Yeah, watch out about that stuff too. Okay, we don't want to stay focused, Matthew. There's so much to talk about, isn't there? (sighs) Bloody geofencing. Contact tracing. You can contact trace this, I tell you, right? You come near me with any of that stuff. (sighs) They drive me nuts. I do not consent to any of it. I don't. None of it. Hosea chapter 2, verse 16. In the context is a prophecy showing the very symbols of the new covenant. Hosea chapter 2, verse 16, is the context of showing the very symbols now of the new covenant inception point. What would be the inception point of the new covenant? Wouldn't it be that the low ruchamah, the people that obtain no mercy, and the low ami, the people that are not my people, which was Israel, scattered from the Galilee into the nations, would be called back. But they have become so assimilated in the nations that they think they're Gentiles. They're living like Gentiles, eating like Gentiles. That there would have to be a vision that would lay it all out in Hosea chapter 2, verse 16, to show them that, hey, when you see this vision and this comes to fulfillment in the text, know that your time in captivity is over and you're coming home. Hosea 2, verse 16. And it shall be at that day. What day? The day that the symbols of the new covenant are manifest in a vision. And Cornelius returns to the ways of Malchizedek. Returns not to Pharisaic law, but to Malchizedek Torah covenant. This is the symbol. You'll see it in a vision. But in case you miss it, because you're living like Gentiles, we're going to literally style it out for you here. And it shall be at that day, saith Yahuwah, that thou shalt call me Ishi, and shalt call me no more Baal. For I will take away the names of the Lord Baal out of her mouth, and they shall no more be remembered by their name. And in that day... I will make a covenant. What will it be? It will be a new covenant with them, with the beasts of the field, with the fowls of the heaven, and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth and will make them lie down safely. What's the vision going to be about? It's going to be about the beasts of the field. It's going to be about the fowls of the heaven. It's going to be with creeping things. And it's going to be a symbol for you that the exile is over. 
and the low Ruchamah and the lower me are coming back. But I need to spell it out for you because you guys think you're a bunch of Gentiles that we're actually going to put the symbols of the new covenant in a vision and we're going to lay it out in Hosea 2.16 so that if you misinterpret it hundreds of years later in Acts chapter 10 and think it's about going to the Wuhan market and having a seafood dinner, um, we'll be able to take you back here and say, no, this was always about the low Ruchamah and the low Ami coming back into the net of Torah. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion, of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that had feared Yahweh with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to Yahweh always. He saw a vision, and he saw the vision of Hosea chapter 2, verse 16. That's simply all he saw. That's what he saw. That's not my interpretation. It's clearly written in the Bible, and it's been laid up to you by the prophet Hosea always and forever. And we already saw how to interpret dreams and visions from Joseph and Pharaoh. And we've already been told how to keep commandments from the Torah. So let's not get into this flip-flop theology. Let's use Bible hermeneutics, and we will end up in an amazing, amazing place. The context. You have to look at the context of Acts chapter 10. Was he studying a Greco-Roman literary text akin to literally, or was it a vision akin to allegory and lesson about something? It was a vision about allegory and lesson about something. Acts chapter 10 verse 8, And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Well, that's interesting, because if you go now to Peter's vision, on the morrow, verse 9, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and he became very hungry. And he would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven opened as a certain vessel descending unto him, and it was a scene unto a great talit knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of, Hosea 2.16, four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, this is the point where we run into a bunch of travel. Because pastors just lift the sheep verse out of context and never look back. And we got the woo flute. But the Bible interprets the Bible. Job chapter 14 verse 4 is very clear. Very clear. Doesn't matter what your opinion is, pastor. Doesn't matter what my opinion is. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Place closed? Case closed or still slightly open? Just in case we think it's slightly open, then possibly we could take an unclean pig 
and we could make it clean and ready for consumption just in case. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone would ever think such a foolish thing, except I once did. Um, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Not one. Not even the Pope. So in light of Leviticus 11, the answer is still no one. Not even the Pope. Not even my old pastor from Calvary Chapel. You see, Acts chapter 10, verse 14, but Peter said, Not so, Master, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. You see, Yahweh has always been in the ministry of cleaning men, not dim sum. Yahweh wants to clean men. He's not interesting, interested in cleaning the taro dumplings from the Wuhan market. That is not Yahweh's ministry. How did we get caught into this thinking? Verse 15, And the voice spoke unto him again the second time, What Yahweh hath cleansed, that not call common. Is it possible at all, according to the Bible, that Yahweh cleansed pigs? Is it possible? Even a tiny possibility. Well, no, it's not at all. I just read you Job chapter 14, verse 4. It is impossible. It would be a violation of Yahweh's word. Is it possible that Yahushua could clean pig? No, not if he's going to be the Messiah. That would disqualify him because it's against Yahuwah's word. Who can bring a clean thing out of unclean? Not one. Not even the Mashiach. Because if he did, then he would be disqualified as Mashiach. Does that make sense? Even a cursory read of the New Testament corroborates the old. And that verse cannot be a reference to eating. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith Yahuwah, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So hang on a minute. Decades after the resurrection, think about it. Decades after the resurrection, not touching the unclean is still in effect. That's Leviticus chapter 5. That's decades after the resurrection, let alone not eating the unclean from Leviticus 11. That's still in effect too. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17, specifically it's addressing Leviticus chapter 5, is still in effect. We're still not supposed to be touching the unclean. Now, that doesn't mean you can't pet your dog. I love to pet my dog. But if I was going into the temple and partaking of that system, then I would still be unclean. Right? Especially if the dog is dead. The dead dog. The dead carcass. So, Verse 16, this was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again unto heaven. Now, in case you're a little overloaded, I'll take a little segue here into the legal world, because I'm often in that world as well. 
Here is a very important side note for you, very important legal maxim, okay, that comes into view here straight out of the Bible. Verse 16. This was done thrice. Paul in 2 Corinthians. Jonah in the belly of the whale. Yahusha in the grave. Dorothy just had to click her heels together three times. Atticus in To Kill a Mockingbird. He had to question Sheriff Tate three times. And of course, we could get into Trinity in the Matrix. But this is well known in the legal realm. It's well known in a court of law. It's well known before the authorities of the world. Because in the Bible, it says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. If you ever end up in a court of law, expect to be ignored unless you speak it out three times. They'll try and interrupt you, try and speak over you, try and any... You have to speak it three times. You have to notify three times. It's a legal maxim. It's a biblical maxim. I do not understand. I do not stand under you. I do not understand. I cannot proceed. I do not understand. They ignore you. And then the third time, then everything will open up. It's chess. It's a fabulous game. It's thrillingly exciting. And just when you think your queen's surrounded, there's a move that changes everything. And people get so despondent. But Yahweh says that he will put us before kings. He will put us before governors. And he will put the words of his mouth within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what can man do to our bodies? This is not our home. We have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Because we count it all a loss anyway. Count it all a loss anyway. That is a game changer that the world is terrified of. Because you can burn it all. You can burn it all. I do not care. In fact, sometimes I will, I will literally, I will implode it all and burn it all just to show you. It's not worth it to me. Because people don't understand this very important legal maxim. So there's my little segue. I'm going to have a sip and then we'll get back into it. These are important times to be able to stand. These are very important times to repeat the truth. State your status three times. They will speak over you. They will try and circumnavigate. But you say it three times. You send that document in three times. You rebut it three times. And you do not consent. I do not consent. I do not consent. Sign here. No, I don't sign anything. Well, you have. No, I don't. I don't consent. Well, you need to hand this doc. I need to see your driver's license. Yeah, I think I'll reserve all my rights without prejudice. Well, you have to. No, actually, I don't. See, that's a false and misleading statement. But you have to stand. 
Why do I say this in the middle of Acts chapter 10? It's got nothing to do with it. Yes, it does. It's got everything to do with coming out of mystery Babylon and not being ensnared in the net of the hunters. Because there's two nets that we're dealing with right now. You can either be one of the 153, and I pray that you are, I am, or you will be ensnared in another net because you didn't realize that you consented to it. It's your own fault. It's my, it, was all my, it was always my own fault too. Well, what do you mean, Matthew? It's all our consent. If we withdraw our consent, then we'll be free. Because Yahweh says, come out of her, my people. No longer contract with Babylon, and you will be one of the 153. These are amazing times to live in. Acts chapter 10, verse 17. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what this vision... So, remember, by the 17th verse, Peter still hasn't taken any action, has he? He's not eating anything unclean. He's still doubting in himself what this vision which he saw had seen should mean. Behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which is surnamed Peter, were lodged there. And when Peter thought on the vision, so he's still not taking any action, there's no sausage rolls that have snuck into the narrative here, there's no piggly wigglies on a stick or anything like that. And while Peter thought on the vision, still thinking, no action, the Ruach said unto him, Behold, three sausages came walking down. No, it doesn't say that, Matthew. Three men came walking and seek thee. No, it doesn't even say walking, does it? Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Verse 21. Then Peter went down to the men who were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause and wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius, that the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth Yahuwah and of good report among all the nations of the Jews, was warmed from Yahuwah by a ruach, a holy angel, to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now we know in the prophecies, Jonah was sent from Joppa to the nations. Likewise, now we've got Peter, the son of Jonas, the son of Jonah, is sent unto the nations. This has nothing, of course, at this point still to do with animals. It's got everything to do with people scattered in the nations, and those people are the low Ruhamah, the low Ami, the people that had no mercy and were not my people from Hosea chapter 1, verse 10. Now look at verse 24. It's absolutely fascinated unpacking the word like this to me. I love it. Even all these years later, I still get excited because for so many years, I was down the Wuhan market having... I mean, I used to leave church on a Sunday and go to um, Red Lobster. I'll be sitting there for about three hours, flipping, trying to crack 
crab things, you know, with these blooming things getting butter, splatting it all over my shirt. And, you know, you'd pay a fortune for it. And then we'd leave, and I was still hungry. You know, but they'd all go, oh, let's go out. Where should we go after church? Oh, let's go to Rib Lobster. Oh, okay. Right? Good grief. No wonder there was so much mess in our lives, right? Or was I the only one who got caught up in that? Come on. The church barbecue, right? You go for the green beans and there's, I mean, there's, I mean, good grief. The church barbecue and the green beans with the bacon, everywhere, right? You go for the coleslaw, there's something hanging out. I mean, it, they, everywhere they could hide it, it, well, it's in plain sight, wasn't it? Everywhere. Go for ice cream. Do you have the ice cream with the bacon bits in it? Did you ever have that? I must have been a Calvary Chapel staple. Everything. Good grief, you couldn't get away from it. And then when they weren't done with that, it's like, okay, let's go get the pigskin and go run around and chase it in our tight spandex. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the Bible. I mean, there's pigs everywhere. Everywhere. Good grief. Verse 24. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea. And Cornelius waited for them, and he called together his kinsmen and near friends. And Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. And Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And he talked with him, and he went in and found many that were came together, as in a sheet, right? As in a tallit. They were gathered together within the tallit. And he said unto them, You know... How that it is unlawful for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. Well, hang on a minute. Where does it say that in the Bible? Where does it say, Peter, in the Bible that it is unlawful for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come unto one another from a different nation? Where in the Torah does it say that? It doesn't. In fact, it's very clear in the Torah how we're supposed to interact with one another. In Numbers, chapter 15, verse 16, it says this, There is one Torah, and one manner shall be for you and for the stranger scattered in the nations. There's one Torah. We're all equal. There is neither male or female, slave or free. You don't get to do this Torah and then the Goyim get to do another thing. Well, you get the written law, but they get the... No, no, no. One Torah for all. Everybody's equal. You see, Peter had a problem. He had a major problem at the beginning. And that was he was still observing the oral law. And he was blinded by the prevailing Jewish traditions. And at this point, he needed to be delivered from his prejudices. Peter was prejudiced. We know he had a problem. Because Paul addressed it in Galatians chapter 2, specifically the 11th verse, saying this. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him in the face. I got right up in his face. Because he was to be blamed. Because he was a hypocrite. Because when certain men came down from Jerusalem with James, 
He did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. So Peter was having a problem. He would eat with those in the nations, and then when the religious crew came down, he withdrew. He was playing the hypocrite. It was all for show, because he was struggling with the oral law. Because Jewish traditions and the oral law, at this point, in Galatians, they were inhibiting the spread of the gospel. And Paul was very concerned about this, and he corrected the problem swiftly, and he withstood Peter to his face. Because we can see that Peter's got a problem here with the oral law and the traditions of men, which Yahushua has already addressed. In fact, in the Talmud, this is where the problem comes from, in Talmud, Tosabath, Jebamoth, 1494b, it is written, if you eat with a goy, it is the same as eating with a dog. And Peter believed that. And that was his problem. And he needed to be delivered from that kind of prejudice. So now we get back to the 29th verse of our text. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I ask therefore, for what intent ye have sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius. I don't know if you know the voice really appeared that way to him, spoke that way. But thy prayer is heard, and thine arms are had in remembrance in the sight of Yahuwah. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner, which of course would be dodgy back then anyway, because they were totally unclean all the time, the tanners, right? They're dealing with dead animals. So the fact that he's He's lodging up with the tanner. That's, that's already kind of suspect, according to the oral law. We've got a problem here. He's hanging out with the tanner. All those filthy dead animals everywhere. He's totally unclean all the time. See, there's a big problem right there. Man, I do get off track easily, don't I? What verse am I in? 33. Hey, thank you very much. And immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast done well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before Yahweh to hear all things that are commanded thee of Yahweh. Those in the nations hear the Besorah, the good news, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that Yahweh is no respecter of persons. Finally, he is delivered from his prejudice. He realizes the truth of Numbers chapter 15. There is one Torah for all. This is the context that we have been looking for. This has got nothing to do with hot dogs. This has got everything to do with people. So you have to ask yourself three you have to ask yourself, actually, just, just a few simple questions. If Yahushua had made all foods clean, then why would a vision be required? 
Why would Peter be confused? And why would it be after eight years? That makes no sense. Makes no sense. Look at the 35th verse. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now look at the 44th verse. While Peter yet spake these words, the Ruach HaKadosh fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. And as many came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh. So the context, it's still talking about men, not food, isn't it? Still talking about men. Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify Yahuwah. Then answered Peter, verse 47, can any man forbid water that these should not be mikford, which have received the Ruach HaKodesh as well as we. So again, this is all about men coming in, being mikford, being brought into the faith. The context is so apparent, isn't it? Can any man forbid that these snakes and mice and rats not enter into my fat gut? No, that's, of course, not what he said. But that is what wicked imaginations for thousands of years have imagined that he said acts chapter 10 verse 48 this is the papal edition and he carried them into the kitchen and gave them a good rinse and threw them in the deep fryer i mean that, that that's that's the papal edition and we know that that's not so but it, it we used to think that way possibly right i mean i cannot believe i fell for that twaddle for nearly 10 years But the Bible interprets the Bible for us. And for that, we'll jump into the 11th chapter and we'll go right to the 5th verse. Let's turn there right now and we'll finish up and we'll see that the Bible concludes the whole matter for us in Acts chapter 10. Now, 11 verse 5, it says, I was in the city of Joppa praying and I was in a trance and I saw a vision. A certain vessel descended. It had been a great talit let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even to me, upon the which when I had fastened mine eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, master, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What Yah hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And this was done three times. And all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three little pigs, no, three, three men, already come unto the house where I was, sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Ruach bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. 
And as I began to speak, the set-apart spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Master Yah, how he said, Yochanan indeed immersed in water, but you shall be immersed in the Ruach HaKodesh. So if Elohim gave the same gift as he gave us, we, when we believed on the Master, Yahushua the Messiah, how was I able to withstand Elohim? And having heard this, they were silent and they praised Elohim, saying, Then Elohim has indeed also given to the Gentiles, or the ten northern tribes scattered abroad, the low Ruchamah, the low Ami, repentance to life. The vision interprets the vision. In the context of Hosea, the low Ruchamah, the low Ami, the Galilee, and the 153, it is a miracle. But Joseph and Pharaoh already laid it out to us how to interpret visions and dreams. But for thousands of years, we ended up under this enigma or this mystery. But the veil has been lifted. In a time when people are so discouraged and they wonder what their faith really means, this is a great passage to reveal to those that are ready for truth that if you were deceived on this, think about how much more you may be deceived on. That possibly those snowflakes coming down in Texas aren't really snowflakes at all. And the ones that try and assault you, they're the snowflakes that you really want to be concerned about. Things aren't quite the way they always appear. And it's the snowflakes and those that end up down the Wuhan seafood market that we need to be most aware of because that's the deception that is going to get you caught up in the wrong net. And I know I've had some fun today, but this is a very important passage because Jeremiah sends fishers of men. First, I will fish you out. Jeremiah 16. But if you do not listen to the fishermen, then I will send the hunters. Agenda 21, the Green New Deal, all about taking liberties and freedoms and putting you in their net of slavery. But we have another way. It's the gospel mission. It's to be free, and it's to live as free men and women on the land under Yahuwah and to know whatever you do to this body, this is not my home, and I can let it all burn and walk away. It means nothing. It matters not. It matters not. We are here for a small time, and we get too caught up in earthly things, too caught up in possessions and comforts. I just spent eight days with no water, no power, and it was great. Sitting in the dark with my family, my wife cooking over the wood stove, playing chess, playing cards, telling stories, 
all sleeping in the same room. Everything decimated all around us. And just so happy and so fulfilled. And everything that I thought was of value to me, it's nonsense. Yeah, I'm walking around in the mud. Yes, I'm peeing in a pot. But you know what? I'm happy because I have faith, I have family, and I know where I'm going. And all of this, I hate this world. Because I know that I'm not of this world. And as things begin to tighten and compress more and more around me, I long more and more for my heavenly home. And I know that Yahuwah has a plan for all of us to get us out of mystery Babylon. And part of that plan is to go and be fishers of men and get those 153 into this net. Because this is the merciful net. Because the net that they're trying to set and that snare and trap is unmerciful and it will end up in a different place. It's Agenda 21 and they're pushing it real fast. So beware, be strong and let's see what you have in the chat. Today, I went on long, but I got two chapters really, didn't I? And we went into Hosea. We went all over the place. All over the place. All right. If you want me to get you in the chat here, redline me. Give me a red line. Good to see you all. Yeah, it is Renee. She says it's nice to have a wood stove. Yes, it is nice to have a wood stove. I mean, we got hammered out in my little log cabin on all three sides. A massive oak, 150 years old. It came down and it missed my boy's bedroom and it clipped. Sorry, Diesel Grandpa. It clipped Diesel Grandpa's beautiful gutters that he put on my house. Just enough that it took one of the screws out half an inch that the gutter dropped. I was really upset about that because Diesel Grandpa put some sweet gutters on my house. But then, after two days and not being able to flush the toilets with my two boys, I'm going to blame it on the boys, we collected the rainwater. It was perfect. And we were able to flush the toilets with the rainwater that we collected. Because all the prepping that I've done for all these years, everything failed me. Everything. The hand pump on my, on my well, I've had for a decade. Well, Blooming Cowboys at the well company came out last year in the middle of the summer, and they dropped my well an extra 10 feet. They forgot to drop the hand pump 10 feet, so we're pumping air. So that was a waste of, waste of prepping. The generator that I've had for 10 years failed on me a month ago. The new generator I've had back-ordered since September was supposed to be installed last Friday, the day that the whole, all of the trees came tumbling down, but they had to reschedule because they forgot a part. I mean, it was a comedy of errors. Everything failed except Yahuwah and his faithfulness. And it was just, it was just a testimony to me that no matter what we do as men and women in prepping and planning in our natural man, it can all fail. But Yahuwah will always be faithful, even to the point of clipping the drain pipe with a 
tree that could cause so much devastation just perfectly to provide water for us so that we could be clean. Because Yahuwah is an Elohim of cleanliness. Okay, Moshe, Levi. Anyway, what a week. Super fun. Remember it forever. Red line. Shiloh says, is Wuhan the release of the hunter by Mystery Babylon? Definitely. Is the variance the dead works that are building up? Hunter Mystery Babylon. Can snowflakes be synthetic that won't melt? Well, yes, they're full of aluminum because they were manufactured by that big um, weather machine. And you guys know more about that than me, I'm sure. Tracy Jones says, Hi, Matthew. I, pre I appreciate you and the body of believers are part of Torah to the tribes. Two questions. She's going to hit us with two questions, hopefully. Wow. Texas. How be frozen in Texas? Shabbat shalom, brethren. This is from Jen. Shabbat shalom, Jen. Everything is thawing in Texas. We have had the most blessed frozen week. You see, and it's in those times when things shift, that you really get to appreciate the simple things in life. Simple things in life, isn't it? Faith, family, friendships, connections. Connect together, TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. Right here in the chat, you guys connect with one another. Make those connections. There's no reason now to be isolated now that you're a part of Torah to the Tribes. We're about putting the lost sheep of the house of Israel together together. The 153 Judy Brenham is in the teaching. It is Hebrew gematria. It is all about bringing back the prophecy of Hosea, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Let's see, what else do we have in here? Much more truth, Shabbat Shalom, much more truth down in Florida. Florida, Florida. Ephraim's awakening prodigal sons and daughters coming home. Amen, that is right. Yes, Diesel Grandpa's no on the gutters. No, yeah, that's what I thought initially. I was very upset about the gutters. And then I realized, you know what? There is a silver lining in this cloud of darkness all around. Anyway. Come on, hit me, hit me with some fun. Oh, Mr. Niebling. Shabbat shalom, Kevin Niebling. Hannah dreamt last night that you and I were out fishing on some land that you had bought but didn't choose, and there were snakes everywhere. Hey, you and I had the same dream. I had a dream last night that I was out fishing and there were snakes everywhere. And on my right side, there was, we were going past it in a raft and it was a white snake. And it, but most people missed it, but I saw it. And then once I saw it, everyone realized there was snakes all around. So we need to talk about that dream, Mr. Niebling. I love it. I love it. John Shukel, Daniel 2.43, The Vision. Feet of iron mixed with clay. Could we be the clay treasures in jars of earthen vessels? The iron mixed with the clay. Could it be Nephilim AI technology? Definitely. 
definitely watch out for all of that AI. And of course, don't consent to any of it. Right, Billy Brew? Billy Brew says, we need to continue to follow the Most High's word and be led by his Ruach but also need to practice bushcraft survival skills so we're ready to rock in spirit and the natural. Couldn't agree with you more, Billy Brew, but sometimes it all fails on you in spite of your best plans. So what do you do if you're not strong in spirit? You've got to be strong in the Ruach first, and then we'll deal with all of the kindling and all of the other stuff, because it most probably will fail. And at the end of the day, if I'm in a ditch with any of you, I want to make sure that we are strong warriors in the spirit together. Because we don't need anything else. I mean, I can do a lot of damage with a biro pen if I need to. I mean, really, I don't need, I mean... I'm, I'm ready to roll in any and all situations. I'm always ready to go. I mean, I just am. I just love it. And as it gets crazier, I get more crazy. And I will always be more crazy than the craziest system out there because that's the way I'm wired. And if you're not, then come with me and it'll be okay. And then when it's time to calm down and lullaby, then your skill set will help me relax and get a little few hours sleep. While somebody else is on guard, right? What's oh, going to be fun? I'm ready just to get out of this system, aren't you? Hey, you're all looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm crazy. 45 Kimber, talking about crazy. 45 Kimber, how are you, 45 Kimber? The Israel of Yah will cross the river on dry ground. Oh, yes, hallelujah. Diesel Grandpa says, we'll get it fixed, true, about being prepared in our eyes, but Yahweh wants us to depend on him. It is about that perfect balance, isn't it? Mm. Mm. <sighs> ah, Jane gave me four red squares. Excellent teaching, Matthew. Thanks. No, thank you, Jane. Give us some thumbs up, Jane, if you gave us four red squares. I like the red squares. <laughs> Diesel Grandpa, of course, he was delivered from the 1970s and 80s like myself. And all he has to type is white snake. And I know exactly why you type that. All right, stop it. Stop it. Well, look, and William, ah, oh, White Snake, England in 1978. See, some of you, and Doug is in the back. See, that's the trouble. That's the trouble, you see. Yahweh takes, and, and Larry's laughing too. Look, this is what happens. Yeah, yeah. It's just this, it's a simple, if you don't get it already, okay, Yahweh takes the simple and foolish of the world, and he puts to shame the wise. He really does. So you end up with people like me teaching the Torah. And you wonder, well, well, hang on a minute. He didn't go to Oxford University. Actually, I did go to Oxford University several times. But I can't remember much about it because I was visiting my sister who actually did go. But I used to go to all the parties at Oxford University. So yes, many times. I've gone punting down the river. I've dressed up in all of the tuxedos. But I had a different agenda when I was there, and it wasn't education. 
oversharing, sorry. What can I say? What can I say? I don't get out much. Oh, giant killer's got a lot of nice emojis. We've got two red crosses, some shrimp, some crab. We've got, it looks like we've got the COVID virus in there as well. And then Donna Worrell is, there, is saying, who is showing their age? I am, Donna, I am showing my age in so many ways nowadays. I mean, the hair's gone gray, the beard's gone. I'm, it's just a mess. What can I tell you? William R. is dancing with the stars. Good. I'd like to dance with you, William, if that's kosher. I'm sure it is. Hallelujah. My goodness gracious me. White snake. Giant killer. You're too young for white snake. Good grief. All I can say is all of you on here are amazing because you're still hanging with it after I don't know how long we've been streaming. But it's fun, isn't it? Look at Hallelujah Worship. Also, the 153 connects back to Genesis 9, verse 19, which is the eighth time used, new beginning, mixing, and backing. Thank you, Hallelujah Worship, for some actual serious theology when I'm absolutely being a clown up here. Anyway, David Ellis is being a clown as well. You see, you see I get you all going. He's putting disco dancers up in the, up in the uh, chat. Libby Tube, of course, she's going to bring it back to decency and scripture. See, we have got good people. We do. See, we've got that balance there. Libby brings us back to one Torah and one right ruling is for you and for the stranger who sojourns with you. Thank you, Libby. Please put some more scriptures up before I go back into silly land. And please, hallelujah, worship. Help me out here. Help me out, Shiloh. Don't say any more. Otherwise, see, Shiloh's going back down to Wuhan. You see? You see what happens with me? You guys, you've got to help me. Don't be stringing me along here. It's too easy. All we need is 45 Kimber starting to talk about weapons and tactics, and I'm on to that, you know. It doesn't take me much, does it? Oh, it's all good, though, isn't it? Praise Yahuwah, praise Yahuwah, hallelujah. Much more truth. What else you got for me? Where's Modesto Garza today? I don't see him. I saw his name pop up there. Oh, there he is, Modesto. Shabbat Shalom, Modesto. Oh, he's talking about cholesterol. I know we're talking about cholesterol. Well, if you stick to the biblical diet, you'll have lower cholesterol, right? You will. All right, what else we got? Anything in here? Oh. Oh, Truth Like Velcro says, there is a Christian movie where this guy who got cancer, so you feel sorry for him, I'm not laughing, that's, that's inappropriate, who drove around in a pink pigmobile and there were so many references to pork, you knew it was on purpose. I, have you ever seen those videos on YouTube where they get the pork and they pour the Coca-Cola on it? and then all the white worms come out of it. I mean, because if you put, you have, to, you have to cook it to 500 degrees to kill that particular virus in the pot. And your oven, what is it broil? What is broil? Is it 450? I think so, right? So they set you up on that one, don't they? 
Thank goodness. I mean, I remember when I was in Egypt and I was in the Sinai Peninsula. I was, not, I was like 18 or something. We used to go to this, this Bedouin restaurant every night. I mean, my son, sorry, son, but, you know, as you get older, you'll find out more about your papa. But um, I used to meet all my friends up in this Bedouin restaurant every night. We'd be, oh, let's go for a steak dinner. We used to have these massive, what we thought back in the day, were fabulous steak dinners and everything, right? We're in the middle of the blooming Sinai Peninsula. I mean, have you ever seen a cow grazing some grass? No. We're doing this for months, every single night, steak dinner. And one day I decide, you know, I'm going to go on an excursion with this Bedouin crew. Right? And we're on our camels and we're about two miles outside the camp. <laughs> oh, I've seen what we've been eating. There's dead camel carcasses everywhere. So enough butter and enough garlic, you can pretty much make anything edible. And that's the problem. Oh, anyone want some shrimp? and they've always dip it in butter and garlic. Anyone want some lobster? And they always dip it in butter and garlic, right? Leave it to the French. I blame the French and the Bedouins for everything. And the French were down there teaching the Bedouins, or the Bedouins were teaching the French, and now all of the Bedouins are in France, which is why they're having a big problem. See, it's a mess, isn't it? That's why Hosea put the prophecy out, and he said, come out of her. My people, lo ruhamah, lo ami, and then John the Revelator really hands it home to us and says, if we stay there much longer, we're going to end up in a world of trouble. Jeremiah 16, fishers of men, because the hunters are looking to put us in another trap. So that's how I'm wrapping this whole bacon butty up for you today. Stay away from it, stay kosher, stay clean, and stay real, because at Torah to the tribes, we'll always be in the word with Yahuwah wherever we go, wherever we sojourn. And I pray that it will be at the Moadim together, and at least every single Shabbat right here. So shalom, give us some thumbs up. Do please consider supporting the ministry, and thank you so much, everybody, for all of the encouragement over the years. It's been a blessing, and I pray that Yahweh be with you. Connect with one another six days a week on all the Zoom platforms, and, and to all the people that work so hard behind the scenes, Shabbat Fellowship and all of the prayer groups and men and women's groups, thank you. I love you all, bless you, and Yahweh keep you. Shabbat Shalom.